Edward Hicks was a painter in the colonial era of the United States. He was also a Quaker preacher, and the painting he made his life's work arose from his study of the Bible and his preaching. The painting arises from Hicks' vision of a prophecy of outrageous hope provided by the prophet Isaiah. Now, Isaiah's time was filled with fear and threat and anxiety, yet he predicts a time when lion and leopard and wolf will rest peacefully with the lamb, the young goat, and the calf, and a little child will lead them. Swords will be beaten into plowshares. A broken world will be healed. We all know the painting Edward Hicks produced, We know it as the peaceable kingdom, or at least we know a version of it because he painted it 62 times in the course of his lifetime. No two are the same. There is something unsettling in the work of Edward Hicks, the painter, from Edward Hicks, the preacher, at least from some of the fragments of his sermons that remain, we understand why. There is, even in the Christian heart and soul, the presence of sin waiting to devour the unwary. In his preaching, Hicks equates sin with lions and leopards and beasts of prey, as St. Peter did centuries before. Evil is a prowling lion, St. Peter writes in his New Testament letter, waiting to devour us. There are unsettling enigmas in the various versions of Edward Hicks' famous painting. Our eye is drawn inexorably to a ragged stump that seems out of place in the tranquil setting, or to a prominent knothole in a log that seems not to belong or to a baby playing unnervingly close to the edge of a cliff. Above all, we notice predators, whether lions or leopards or wolves, with their eyes like lanterns larger than life-size, fixing us with their penetrating gaze. The big cats and the hungry wolves stand to challenge us. They do not eat the corn lying easily at their feet. Their thinking is elsewhere engaged. They are looking at their prey. They are looking at us. Our Quaker preacher was keenly aware of the persistence, even in the Christian home and the Christian soul, of sin, likening it as he did to lions and leopards and wolves. Oh, my. Standing before this painting, we are meant to wonder about ourselves, about the condition of our hearts, and about what predatory beasts we allow to roam there. We're caught in the paradox. The peaceable kingdom we so much want is not yet here. It is the child, the child of promise, the boy king, who asks us the final clarifying question with his gaze, his hand firmly on the mane of the lion standing next to him, he inquires of us, 
You wait in hope for my peaceable kingdom. But have you placed the wild and ravenous, raging and untamed portion of your heart completely under my hand? Isaiah is a prophet of hope. But in the midst of prophesying hope, he offers us an unsettling path to hope. Telling us what God prompted him to say, Isaiah challenges us. It is mercy I desire and not sacrifice. For Isaiah, prayers go unanswered, sacrifices unnoticed, displays of religion unappreciated by God because the predatory beasts have taken over our hearts. And although we cry out, Lord, Lord, it is the beasts whom we serve. This week in our world, we witnessed bigotry, hatred, rage beyond reason and beyond measure. We experienced the brokenness, the pain, the division of our world. But we are not of this world. We are to be light and leaven and salt to change the world. You and I are to be different. We are to rise above this and not be part of it. We are to bring the solution to a broken world because we know that solution. We are not to be part of the brokenness. Where were you this week? Not your body. Where was your heart? Where was your mind? Where was your conversation, your soul, your prayer, your Christian witness to the world? Rage? finger-pointing, bigotry, fear. None of these things belong here in this church. And none of these things belong here in the Christian heart. To rise above the world, we must fall. Fall to our knees. Turn off the news and fall to your knees. You're not part of this world. The first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis open our eyes to the appalling growth of sin in the world and its consequences. From the solitary sin of one woman and one man, jealousy and rage led brother to kill brother, innocent blood calling forth from the earth in pain. In just a few chapters, sin had so fragmented humanity we came to the point where at Babel, no two persons could talk to one another and be understood. Isaiah brings hope to bear on a fragmented and divided humanity. But he challenges us first. Society must be worth saving. Injustice and selfishness must first become compassion and mercy and honesty and submission to God. Jesus weeps for us even today as we live divided lives. Just as he died to cure the rage that too often consumes an angry world. Did you weep with Jesus for the world this week? For the pain, the suffering, the fractured humanity we all saw played out hour by hour? Or did you happen to add to it by your gossip 
and your simple resignation to the ways of the world. You are better than that. A few years ago when I was teaching at Catholic University in Washington, I overheard two college students walking across campus. One asked the other to pray for him because he was going through a rough time. The other student astonishingly stopped immediately, made the sign of the cross, and prayed right then, right there, for his friend. Why not? Did you do that this week? Hearing the troubles of the world, hearing hearing so many people saying, oh, there's a lot to pray for, did you? Right then, right there. Lord, help this world. Send your, fragile, friend your, send your grace upon a world of fragile peace and broken promises. Lord, we need you. Bring us healing and hope. That's all it takes. Right there in the middle of the workplace. Right there in the middle of the neighborhood. Right there in the middle of the family room. Right there in the middle of your heart. The president of Messiah College tells me that she used to have an administrative assistant when they'd be talking about problems in the college, the president would say, well, we certainly need to pray about that. The administrative assistant said, yes, let's, right now. And they did, every time. Why not? For every one of us, our task is to be light and leaven, salt, hope for the world, to rise above the problems of this world and bring the grace of Jesus Christ and his gospel to bear on these problems, beginning with our own divided heart. Let Jesus use you. Let Jesus use you to be a message of hope, to speak to a world of hatred and suspicion and fear. Let Jesus use you to be hope, hope for a peaceable kingdom.